our technology is operating and is no longer uh, um, rebelling against rebelling us. against us. Uh, it's 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 ridiculous because. Everything involved in this operation, from the fact that it's a podcast right on down the line to the fact that we're keeping all our notes on cell phones now, attempting to keep them on Kindles, that's not working. Um, We're going to be reviewing comics and reading digitally. Exactly, exactly. I'm all digital on the comics now. Um, I'm going to have to switch more and more to digital. Yeah, I have, I have too many. I've actually realized I'm getting too many stuff physical. I have to start cutting back on stuff I'm buying. <laughs> yes. So you know, it's um, it's a, uh, it's all uh. Uh, 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 so, so it's so much technology involved that man, we have made ourselves very, very vulnerable. Like if some terrorist organization Public decided, it. yeah, it, no, if some terrorist organization decided that it hated the four color fanboys, that's us, by the way. Hi, Hello. welcome to another episode of Four Color Fanboys, the uh, apparently subversive uh, comic book podcast. We're at DefCon 2. We're at DefCon 2. I'm Brian Zeno. I'm Al Sedano. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, all things related to comic books, whatever catches our fancy. And uh, yeah, it just occurred to me that if some uh, uh, comic-hating terrorist organization, you know, the Society for the, for the, for the um, uh, Canonization of Frederick Wertheim or something, you know, <laughs> um, decided that they wanted to... Uh, uh, shut us down, like one good EMP, and that would be the end of this. Yeah, actually, though, Frederick Wertheim did recant himself later on. Did he really? Or, I, I don't never know about recant, that. but he switched sides basically. Okay, well, that's like good. Like in his to later know. years, that's good. Plus, to know. it was proven that a lot of his stuff was uh, what was uh, what's it called? Crap. Yeah. <laughs> but words are also failing me. Uh, research. Oh, his his research was, was basically someone's falsified or basically not correctly done. Yeah. Even for the time, even like saying for the time period. Even like, even by the. He standard. would ask one person a question and go, "Okay, this counts for everybody." Yeah. Oh my God. You know, it, one ten-year-old boy did so, who's in juvie did something. Okay, that means everyone. That means that must be for everybody. Yeah. Good uh, enough. That was oh my God. He was public enemy number one. I spent a couple of years just like like the greatest injustices that were ever perpetrated on the human race were uh, seduction of the innocent and the demolition of the original New York City Penn Station, um, and and possibly uh, uh, World War One. I. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't That's mean to. That's kind of bad. Yeah, that one was kind of bad, but not as bad as the other things. We apologize for any of our listeners who are World War One veterans. Yes, yes, uh, many of whom do like comic books. Apparently, I don't. Have any idea? Well, if that's they might. True. I mean, they might like this because think of it this way: it's radio again. That is true. That is true. I'm we surprised are... more people who are older don't like podcasts because it's back to radio. Yes, Isn't yes. It, that, like when that be like you know going back to like regular TV when like they have all these we're like ninety and they have all these special freaky things whatever it is that we can't imagine and we're like someone come out with something that's like ooh like regular TV regular. Like, I know TV. I this remember I TV. I know this. Even this as we're giving, get. even as we're gradually giving up TV anyway, you know. Yeah. And, but anyway, what we are here for this week here in uh, issue five, I believe we are up to now. I'm pretty certain, yeah. Um, we are up to issue five, and, and who, who thought we would make it this long? But uh, we are up to issue five, and today uh, we are recording this uh, only uh, a few days after Comic-Con 2014. San Diego Comic-Con 2014 wrapped up uh, its, its production and yep. closed its doors. And uh, now the general consensus, the, the, the conventional wisdom that I've seen on the internet, and you, your experience might be the same, Al, is that it wasn't a very good Comic-Con at all, and that it was an especially bad Comic-Con for comic books i would say so i mean it, i'm not i don't know if i would say it was a bad comic con i think there's a difference 
at least the difference in meaning. I don't think it was a bad Comic Con because I never heard anyone. I haven't heard anything from people who went there saying that sucked. It was mm-hmm. the worst trip ever. I have a feeling if we had gone there, it would have been a blast and a highlight for us. Yes, I think. That, but I mean, in comparison to other years of announcements and things they had, it was a, a weaker year. Okay, Definitely. like less less in the way of it was of big and big mind exactly, blowing. Less of exciting exciting stuff happening. Still amazing to go to, and pro- I'm, cer- I'm pretty certain that anyone who went there this year was like, oh, this was awesome. See, but not like in comparison to things that were announced in recent years, not as exciting and huge. You know, right. not like the other year where I think they had like everyone from the Avengers standing on stage. Right, right, you know, right. That would be a lot more exciting than that one. Um, but for me, I mean, okay, just looking at it from a strictly comic book fan standpoint, because the thing of it is, look, it is, it is, a, it is a truism that Comic-Con despite its name, has gotten taken over by other forms of by media. everything else. It's, it's, it's now a pop culture convention, and the, the movies and TV stuff really kind of overshadows the comic book stuff. So I was keeping my eye on the comic book stuff. And again, I saw more than one person on the internet write that Comic-Con was a bit of a bust for the comic book companies, for them announcing things. Um, we're going to get into... We're, we're just... We're going to spend this podcast sort of looking at all the stuff that did happen there. But I just want to point out just up front um, in terms of a sort of overall impression that people seemed underwhelmed that the big announcements comic book-wise tended seemed to be what uh, DC's Multiversity mm-hmm. yep. and uh, Marvel's Spider-Verse. And, uh, there, and, and again, it's because there weren't any big announcements, bigger announcements than that, or those are the only big announcements. Everybody says, oh, well, that was kind of dull. There was one um, countervailing opinion that I saw, um, a fellow whose name I can't remember, and because my technology is not working, I cannot look it up, Um, uh, but a fellow who works for Image Comics wrote a rebuttal on uh, io9.com where he said that it was a great year for comics, but being from Image, um, his his point of view was understandably somewhat um, skewed towards the creator-owned stuff. Understandable, and, yeah, because that basically is just a big creator own company. Absolutely, and I love there's so many good things, oh, and, I, and awesome there's stuff. you know um, more st- stuff coming out that I want to read that I haven't. It's the exact yet. opposite of pretty much what it was in the when it first started. Oh god, in the '90s, Image. I didn't want anything to do with Image except for that one issue of Spawn that uh, Neil Gaiman wrote. Eh, that still was, wasn't the greatest. No, you're right. You're right. And it but was yeah. Neil Gaiman, but you're right. But yeah, back then it was all about just these few guys. And I mean, the basic concept was there, but it was still about very similar. Not exactly styles, but ways of doing something. Right, exactly. They were coming from the same how you know thing of Marvel, and they were doing very similar stuff now. The, and they all had that sort of Average. Jim Lee sensibility. Yeah. Um, and so then now it's all just a bunch of random art. You know, now you've got what, the Wicked and the Divine, which and, is amazing, and the Sex Criminals, and uh, uh, Southern Southern Bastards, Southern Bastards. Um, East of West, uh, uh, all the you know. Saga, Saga, which is one of my favorite books going right now. Yeah, there's so many different things that they yeah, have going you, on. Yeah, you have there. to you have to love Image Comics right now. But the point is, this guy who worked for Image Comics, who wrote this rebuttal, he said it was a great year because apparently there are, you know, the the, the creator owned and indie uh, uh, side of the comics equation is burgeoning. Yeah, this just wasn't a great Comic Con for for the big the big companies. These, but that's but I still think it was, and we're going to get into why. So actually, let me start. With what was for me the most exciting bit of news mm-hmm. from Comic Con uh, 2014, comic book wise, which is that uh, apparently um, on Sunday, uh, the 27th, 
of uh, of July. Yes. Um, the Marvel had its next big thing panel. Apparently, that was its big panel. They did a few of them. Yeah. Um, but this was their their sort of big announcement panel, and they announced on that day that there was going to be a an Agents of Shield ongoing comic. Yes. Written by Mark Wade with a rotating uh, cast of artists that includes Alan Davis. Yes. And that this was going to throw all of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters, Coulson and Melinda May and Fitzsimmons and Sky and all of them, into the bigger Marvel Universe where they're going to get to interact with like the Vision and, and, and Wolverine and all of this yeah, good stuff. X-Men and Spider-Man. They can yeah. actually meet in Fantastic Four because they can't meet them in the show. And I am I am so excited for this because this I like the show. Two for me. I like the show, and I like the the, the characters. And I like the idea of the characters getting to run amok in yes. the larger Marvel comic universe. But also the fact is, you know, I have been over the last fifteen years, I'd say, of my of my comic fandom. I have been a very creator centric fan. Yeah. I haven't been so much a property-centric fan. I haven't been like, I'll read anything that's X-Men or whatever. It's been like, oh, I'm going to go back to reading Spider-Man because J. Michael Straczynski's writing it. That's how Or I've because been... Dan Slott is writing yeah, it. Yeah, same here for the most part. I mean, depending on the uh, the character of the property, if it's a property I really enjoy, mm -hmm. when the person I like is leaving, I might try out a few issues of the next one if it's like somebody I don't know very well to mm -hmm. go, oh, I'll give this person a chance. Mm -hmm. If it's a property I'm not a huge fan of, I might just... Not nothing against the next person, but like I'm only reading. You always this have to limit yourself, yeah, because I like this person doing it, but I'm not a big fan of the concept itself. So right. once the person I like leaves, I'm I recently go I recently did that with uh, with Amazing X Men when Jason Aaron left. So did I. Yeah. So, um, but my I guess my point is so there are a number of writers that I am just a slavish fanboy for. Clearly, prime chief among them is is Bendis. But also um, Straczynski, JMS, um, also uh, Jason Aaron and Dan Slott. But um, I'm realizing over the last few months that Mark Wade is in there as well. Oh, Mark Wade's stuff is great. I love I've never read run. anything that he wrote that it, I didn't like. The first thing I know of his that I read that I, can, that I realized who it was was mm -hmm. his uh, first few issues of Flash mm -hmm. when he did the Wally West uh, year one, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was really different from the other year ones because for one thing he started Kid Flash so he's like 11. Oh, you cool. know, he's not like a, you know, 20-year-old character or whatever. He's an 11-year-old or something. Mm -hmm. No, I actually the first time I encountered Mark Wade was in the Flash corner of the DC universe, which I was never a big DC reader. I started reading I read Impulse for the better part of a year. Yeah, and he because, was writing that for a while. And I only picked it up because Umberto Ramos was doing the art, and I liked Umberto Ramos's art at the time. Okay, yeah, that's right. He was doing, yeah, that's right. He was and the then that was what, oh my God, Mark Wade is a really good writer. Yeah, because he created, and then, created an impulse. Right, and then when I, what, what cemented it for me was uh, the, um, his Fantastic Four one run, which I read in oh, one a great run, yeah. big, you know, one big hit about six months ago. I just I got all the trades and I just, just read them all and ran through them all in a row, and let me tell you, man, that might be one of the single best runs on any comic I've ever oh, read. Yeah, That's up there with Bendis's Daredevil run. It is definitely the one of the great Fantastic Four runs. Yeah, since including like the Lee Kirby run, obviously. Yeah. John I think Byrne. That's pretty good. The Lee Kirby run. Uh huh. No, no, that one. That one I is great. Actually, I think it's yeah. considered. You know, it's decent. considered kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the, <laughs> and the burn run. And the burn run. And I've heard good things about and it's 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 high up in my queue of things to read in the near future. I've heard that uh, Walt Simonson's run on Fantastic Four in the uh, early 90s was actually quite good. I remember, actually I remember liking what I read of that. I didn't read the whole, all of that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I like what I read. But anyway, to wrestle that. this back to the yes. Comic-Con news, so you give me Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel Universe, and then you put Mar- Mark Wade on it, and then, just as the cherry on top, you tell me that Alan Davis is going to do the art on a couple of issues, yeah. and it's like, it's like I don't know if you've ever seen, um, I, 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 I love reaction gifts. The, one of the gr- oh, gifts yeah. of in the internet to humanity is the reaction gift and the gif, and there's one great one of Stephen Colbert just going, Give, take my money Money. now. And that's what I am with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that was number one for me. This is number two, actually. This Mm -hmm. article was number two for me. Okay. So it's right up there. I love Mark Wade's stuff. Mm -hmm. I like the fact, I like the S.H.I.E.L.D. show. I like the character. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing him in there. I like the fact that it's not uh, a comic adaption of the show. Right. So it's not in the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the characters actually appearing in the Marvel Universe proper. Yes. 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 Being, you know, characters... So I like that. I like the fact that they're actually they're doing it. He said it's going to be one or two issue arcs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's going to go with the artist. So yeah, it's going to go with the artist. So it's also going to be like done in ones or maybe two parters, which I don't know why more they don't do that more because you can still put a few of those together to make the trade. You don't have right, to do exactly. every story. Not every storyline has to be six issues to make a trade. You can put in three two parters. Mm-hmm. That's still six issues that go together. That's exactly. still a trade. I don't know why they have to. They seem like they have to. They felt like they have to pigeonhole themselves for a long time. I, I think that came, I think, and this is just my theory, I recently uh, listened to the excellent, I don't know uh, if you've ever listened to the excellent Let's Talk Comics podcast. Doesn't sound familiar. Jim Viscardi, who used to work for Mar- in Marvel's PR department, um, he does a website, it's been going on about a year now, I think, a little less than a year maybe, and uh, he, it's just like very long, in-depth interviews with some of the top names, comic creator cool. names. Um, where he just basically interviews them about their histories and just, you know, where did you come from? What made you love comics? What has influenced you? Who's your daddy and what does he do? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and so I listened. He did two, a total of five hours of, of, of interviewing with Bendis, which is why I listened oh, wow. to it. But he's also done Scotty Young and Dan Slott and former Spider-Man editor Stephen Wacker, who's now running the uh, animation department. Um, he's sort of overseeing like uh, Avengers Assemble and Ultimate Spider-Man. I've all got the, to the, Avengers the, Assemble yet. Yeah, I haven't either. I've heard it's a terrible step down from uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which, which I love which the was, face off of. I love that too. Actually, I'm rewatching that real quick. I've actually just finished uh, the whole the, like the. I don't want to call it the third episode or the ninth because they put the little shorts together. That I I watched them as full episodes. So I watched um, them originally. They came out like the little bits, the little mini. So episodes. that's why to me this is the third episode, even though it's like right. the ninth. It's one where Hulk leaves. Right. And right. then we have Cap next episode. Okay, but so now but what I, I did was um, so and I've I, so I've listened to that and I've read a lot of stuff and it seems like a lot of who are right now the main. I think this comes from writers. This comes from the main movers and shakers, if you will, in the. Um, on the writing side of the of the big companies, and what it is is a lot of them came up together. Apparently, um, Ed Brubaker and Bendis and David Mack and um, Mark Millar, they all came from like Caliber Comics. They all came up together. They all okay, sort of yeah. got hired by um, Marvel around the same time, right around the time that Quesada took over in two thousand. And so the uh, I get the sense that these are all guys who are comfortable 
writing a decompress that, that modern decompressed yeah. style writing and for them what used to feel like an issue so whereas you know back in the 70s you know you had an issue these 23 17 18 whatever pages. pages constituted the comfortable size for a story these guys conceive of stories and work comfortably in that six issue size to them that is a normal size comic book story especially at the decompressed rate that they uh, uh, that they write. So I think that's just sort of set a new industry standard, and that's why it feels that way. Yeah, and like I said, I have nothing wrong with that, because mm-hmm. there are plenty of times I like it mm-hmm. and enjoy it, mm-hmm. Whether you know, and sometimes it does work for me, at least reading individual issues, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just better just to wait for the trade or collection. I just don't like the fact that where they have to make one thing the industry standard when it doesn't have to be. Oh, yeah, no, you know, I agree. Not every story needs to be six parts. Because no. then a lot of times you're like, well, this is dragging here. We could have cut out parts three, four, and five and been perfectly fine of one, two, and five, six. Yeah, yeah. So I like the fact that they're doing this now. They're saying it's going to be that, which means it'll be basically what the story requires and what the artist is going to be able to do. They might actually be uh, sort of going back towards that because I noticed two of the best uh, uh, comics I'm reading lately um, Silver Surfer. Dan Slott told the first arc of Silver Surfer in like three issues, issues. you know, and and then um, I've noticed that on both uh, Uncanny X-Men and uh, All New X-Men, Bendis has sort of gone down to a four issue yeah. sort of sort of uh, a story arc standard. You know, he's, he's changing over every four issues instead of six. six. So it might, the pendulum might be swinging the other way on that. But I like what you're saying, and I agree with you. Uh, it could so be I'm two really issue arcs. Looking but, forward so to the series. So what was your number one, but, then? But, oh, real quick, oh, right, no, 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 Shield number one. One other thing yeah. that you forgot to mention? Yeah. Helper Monkey. Helper Monkey, yes. Fitz. Fitz will finally get his Helper Monkey. Yes. <laughs> Which, they, did you hear he said he's thinking about calling him Whacker? I, if they call him Whacker, that is going... Oh, God. That just reminded me, just real quick. I love that sort of meta stuff. I really oh, yeah. love that it's sort of meta stuff. And I don't know if you were reading the current run in Uncanny X-Men, yes. uh, The Last Will and Testament of Charles Xavier. Yes. Did you notice the call that She-Hulk was taking in her first scene in uh, Uncanny number 23? The, is that the last one that just came out? Like it's, the, it's the first of the Last Will and Testament ones. Oh, um, I don't she's remember. in her office I'm, and she, she... I think I noticed it, but I don't remember. She's, right she's, she's basically, she's on the phone and she's like, look... Mr. Lowe, I don't care if you do feel like you made a big mistake and Spidey annoys you. Spider-Man annoys you. Oh. You know, you need to have prove actual damages. Because we know that Nick Lowe just took over editing the Spider-Books from Stephen Wacker. That's right. You know. And I just thought that was a... And I think he's still also the group editor on the X-Men books. So that's as well. So I thought that was just a I genius, seeing, hilarious I bit of meta. I remember talk to somebody about that, but I don't remember right now. I pay attention to crap like that. I don't know why. I always Since I was a kid, I paid attention I to who the editor is. It depends on how many times I sometimes I read the book. Some books I need to read more than once. Yes. That, and that I read. Oh, side note, I read that at work. Yes, okay. So Fair I, enough. I read it once and that's it. Mm-hmm. Although I will say the new issue of Uncanny X-Men, annoying in one way. Dazzler's not in it. Why the hell is she on the cover? Yeah, no, and that's the a fair point. On the cover. That is a fair point. You know, I actually wonder. That is an excellent point. Anyone else? Kitty. Like, there were so that, many characters in it. Characters who are regular members of that book and non-regular. You, you know, could have put gold balls on the cover, and it would have been. It would have been appropriate because he's in the store. He's in. He's in this actual yeah, issue. Magic, You're right. Kitty, Cyclops, any of the young ex. You know, well, Jean Grey at least definitely mm-hmm. is in there. The young mm-hmm. one, young Jean Grey, She Hulk. Yeah, you could put She-Hulk on the cover she of the had a bigger role than Dazzler did, because Dazzler is sir not appearing in the story. Not, I just realized that, and you're absolutely right. Oh, my God. 
I was talking to somebody at work the other day. They were like, one of the customers, and he was like, I don't like that look for Dazzler. I said, yeah, but don't worry. She's not in the book at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, she does not appear in the issue, so there's no reason for her to be on the cover. Ugh. Sorry, side rant. Just nope. it annoyed me because it came out two days, what, yesterday? It came out yesterday. I read it yesterday. Um, only, only new comic I read yesterday. Not the only new comic I bought yesterday, but the only new comic I read yesterday because I was busy uh, boning up for... I was busy doing my research for this Four Color Fanboys oh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, so the only comic I had time to read was Uncanny X-Men. I read that one. I read, I read uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Red Lantern's Annual, Cyclops, Iron Man Special, Harley Quinn. I bought... The Guardians of the Galaxy, I haven't read it yet. And the other ones that I bought were um, uh, Ten Grand, uh, the JMS uh, okay. Image comic, uh, the latest issue of that. And uh, uh, I picked up, there was one other that I picked up, and I'm trying to remember what it was now, and I cannot for the life of me remember. I think it was an Image image comic. But anyway, we digress. We're back yes. to San Diego Comic-Con. What was your number one story from uh, San Diego there, my friend? My number one? Mm-hmm. Where is it? Ah. Here it is. Was the one about Grant Morrison's multiversity? Yes, I heard I about love this. that stuff. I love that alternate, you know, especially the way he does it. Even though it can get a little confusing sometimes, and I know people bitch and moan, I love it. I've never, I've never really. I read. Um, his friend lent me, and I read, and I still actually have his copies because he disappeared off the face of the earth, and I never heard back from him. Um, I, uh, I, I read uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. Yes. But I read it in a vacuum. I wasn't reading any, you know, I mean, I read it in, in like 2005. And you have an original crisis. From right. 85. From okay. 85. I read it in, 1980, in in 2005. I read it with no, like sort of uh, having read nothing else that was going on in D.C. at the time. So I was meeting these characters for the first time. And then losing them issue. a lot of times. So, so I think a lot of it was lost on me. But I've always, and then I've only heard about the, from around the periphery of... A lot of this, this, this infinite universe, you know, Earth Two, Earth One, you know, whatever Earth Prime stuff that DC does. So I've never really been a hundred percent understanding of it. So I don't think this this hit me as hard as it hits you. So please enlighten me. I just love the idea. Fill of the me in, buddy. I was like this, well, here's the thing: it's not just the alternate Earths, but it's the, the fact that according to the article here, they revealed that Grant Morrison created a map. Mm-hmm. Of the DC multiverse. Yes. Giving you an idea where everything basically is. And it's not, and it doesn't really like tie everything down. It's like, oh, that's it, you can't do anything. It just gives you an idea. It's like, here's all the alternate Earths uh-huh. that we have, the 52 or mm-hmm. 53, however they have, I forget exactly. And then there's like, here's like where the speed force exists, kind of. This is like the realm of the gods. Like, so, like, this is where the new gods are. This is New Genesis. Here's Apocalypse. Here's Heaven. Here's these concepts. This is where the source wall is, which is like the end edges of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's just a really cool way of like going, giving people an idea of this is where all this stuff exists. And it's still kind of like in an ethereal plane kind of anyway. So it's not like you go, well, that's it. Okay, if you're over here, we can't go over there. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these things encircle everything. So yeah. like you can get to the speed force from like any point you get to the speed force. But it also shows like some cool ideas. Like there's one speed force it looks like. So if like... Because we had a, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. There was a character from the Earth Two book that ends up getting sucked into the Speed Force. Okay. You know, um, that fight. It's like a villain from Apocalypse that fights the Flash in Earth Two, and uh, it's actually kind of funny because the Flash doesn't really know exactly what happened. It's like, what happened? They ask him, what happened? They're like, uh, I don't know. He, he's gone though. <laughs> She's gone. It's okay. And I was talking to somebody I'm like, well, if there's only one Speed, like, is there one Speed Force or more than one? Like, is there one per Earth or one total? Because does that mean like this character can just pop up in the Flash and bother the Barry Allen version? 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it looks like that, yes, there is one speed force. So, like, it gives you some things that are cool, you know, some cool without, I think, really tying everything down to, you know, this is what it is. You know, this is what they did January. Like, there's one thing to have, like, a timeline, let's say, mm-hmm. for characters, roughly. Another thing of timeline says, January 1st, this is exactly what happened. January 2nd, this is exactly what happened to that character. You can't have anything in between because this is mm-hmm. absolute. This is kind of like a, gives you an idea. It's just a map. This gives you an idea where to go, but you can do whatever you want in it. And now, in addition to the uh, multiversity map, it's also going to be a series. Am I yes. right? Now, is there, that is it limited or ongoing? Do you know? It's a, I'd say it's a mini series. It's actually uh, looks like it's going to be, from what I remember, two bookends. Okay. And then a couple one shots. Okay. And I believe one of the one shots I said is a guide to the multiverse. So okay. it's not probably going to go along with the map. The thing that's annoying me right now is that the story I work at, we got a copy of the map, a mm-hmm. big one, so where you can read everything, mm-hmm. and I left it there like an idiot. <laughs> but like I said, if you're looking at this, at least, I mean, we're looking at our phone, but like... Age of Eternity? Yeah, no. It's the Rock of Eternity. Rock of Eternity. Which is like where Shazam's from. Oh. Like that's where the, the wizard, sh- you know, the Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's never knew that. From. Like here's all the different worlds, and like... They give you an idea of like ones we've seen before. Uh-huh. Like Earth 3 is the one from Forever Evil, the evil ones. That's why it looks like that. Uh-huh. And then, you know, ones we haven't seen, the numbers are there. If you, when you look on the map, you can see the number there. But for the most part, it's a question mark because we've never seen that Earth yet. Okay, interesting. Now, I'm looking over here on the left of the map and you have the, oh, Apocalypse. I was going to say, isn't the pit like part of Apocalypse? Yeah, this is like the, re- like the realm of the gods here. So, that's where Limbo is, you know, near Apocalypse. That line right around there, that's the speed force, which goes around the entire thing. Now, having only encountered Apocalypse in very... Oh, and New Genesis is exactly on the other side of it. There's Apocalypse, New Genesis. Uh, having, I've never encountered New Genesis. I've only encountered Apocalypse in passing. The sum total... Like, I know both come out of the fourth world stuff that Jack Kirby did. Yes. Which I, which I intend to uh, read in the not-too-distant future, in which perhaps we could uh, consider uh, devoting a series of Four-Color Fanboy episodes to in the future. I have all the the, the trades of the Kirby stuff. Yes, and and I have the whole run, too. So um, I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. But I do that. I buy buy things. Like, I, I, I get books. Faster than I can read them, and then they just stack up. I just realized this. I'm looking at like a stack, like yeah. I don't know, like a foot high or so of like stuff I have to read. Yeah. So, but um, so my like I sort of picked up stuff like um, I recently read uh, the um, uh, what was it called uh, the, the the introduction of the newest uh, incar- uh, then newest incarnation of Supergirl in Batman Superman. Okay. Um, the, the girl Michael Turner was it? Yes, yes. Michael Turner drew it, and uh, Jeff Loeb wrote it. Yes. Um, and it was really good, and you got that whole bit with, uh, you know, she was training in, uh, uh, on... On Themyscira. On Themyscira. I was about to say Paradise Island, Same because thing. I'm stuck in the 70s. Yeah, it's been called uh, both. <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, Granny Goodness and the, and the Furies showed up, and I got, like, yes. a little bit of that knowledge of Apocalypse and, and all that oh, from there. speaking but... of that real quick, do you, I forget, you said you watch Arrow? I forget. I watch... Arrow? I do not. Okay, then never mind. I have never, I've never watched it. I've heard many, many good things about it, and one day when it shows up on like Amazon Prime or something, I'll probably start watching it. But it, on, it is on Netflix. Well, I don't get Netflix. Yeah, I do mind. Amazon Prime, and I'm not double paying. You oh, see, it's then like no, then no, yeah, no need for that. Let me rephrase. I'm going to be getting Netflix in 2015 when I'm going to need it to watch Daredevil, Iron Fist, yes. Jessica Jones, and uh, Luke Cage and yes. the Defenders. Yes. So then you but until then, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying for Netflix. So, but anyway, getting anyway, so uh, it doesn't matter then. So, um, my question to you is, Apocalypse. 
So there's one apocalypse in all yes. of the multiverses. There's only one apocalypse, one new Genesis. So whenever they appear, whenever Dark Side appears, it's the same Dark it's the Side. The same one. Okay. He's the only one. There's no multiple Dark Sides on each in each universe. There's just one Dark Side. And he has one sort of timeline, as it were. Yeah, just like they actually show. There's like they give one version um, place for the gods. Like mm-hmm. so, I'm thinking that means they're saying like all those other gods that appear, mm-hmm. all those different pantheons. There's one version of them. Well, and then but then you have new gods. So. Well, that's these ones. I, mean, I know. Each of them have their own thing, but it looks like they're outside the regular universes. So all the gods are the same, like, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. So like, oh, cool. It's like so you know, Zeus appears here and Zeus appears there. It's always Zeus. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing with Darkseid or Orion mm-hmm. or Mister Miracle. It would be you know the one Mister Miracle, the one Zeus, you know whatever all over. Mm-hmm. Which is good because that Darkseid's kind of becoming the last ten years, especially mm-hmm. the big bad guy for the DC universe. So I like the fact that there's one. Only the last 10 years? Really? Well, a little longer, but like okay. the last 10 to 15 years, he's been the big thing. Okay. In DC, like the main, ultimate bad guy. Okay. You know? The worst and, of the worst. Yeah, like he is the, you know, he's not the one in charge of doing everything, but he's like the, the biggest, baddest. And uh, yeah, like you said, the worst of the worst. And I like the fact that there's now just one of him. So we don't, it doesn't dilute whatever you're doing mm-hmm. you know it just makes it you know this is just the one dark side it also helps keep him from trying to do too much with him let's say all at once because mm-hmm. we're not like well i'm doing this dark side yeah i'm doing this dark side you, you don't have that escape hatch like you do with everything else well if we, we over if we overshoot we can just say it's multiple versions yeah and i'm fine with them doing that for like the main characters like superman because he has like two or three books so it doesn't hurt to have an alternate Superman that you can do and mm-hmm. you know it shows the differences between the different Superman together because it's their own series Darkseid's the kind of guy coming in. You want to make that special. So let me ask you um, again, because you like I'm a, I'm not a DC reader, um, except for those select things that I have read. Yes. Um, one of those worlds that you showed me in the multiversity map um, contains the pre-crisis, um, all the pre-crisis stuff. Possibly. Okay. Um, remind me the New Fifty Two. Was that a reboot like The Crisis, or yes. is that a, cont- a continuity from the 2000s It's pretty much stuff? a reboot like The Crisis. Okay, so this is a separate world, separate verse, yeah. universe. And, yeah, basically, from... when, when they restarted the new 52 from 2011, mm-hmm. it's pretty much completely different from the other stuff from okay. before. Okay, so this is not the same multiversity speaking. This is not... Multiversally speaking, this is not the same uh, Superman yes. that John Byrne was writing back in the no. 80s. No, it's okay. not. No, they might reveal that, that repeat, that's one of the Earths, but it's not the prime. As far as I can tell, because it looks like there's 52 Earths, but it looks like it. And some things carry over from before. Oh, anyway. I see what they did there. There's 52 of yeah. them. Now, it starts with Earth Zero, which is the one in the center. And I'm fairly certain from what they said, that's the Earth that they're discussing. That's all the books take place on for the most part. That's the main DC Earth. Mm-hmm. And we've, and, but there's an Earth-1 in here. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, from like the Silver Age on, Earth-1 was the world they used, the designation for the Earth used that had all the mainstream heroes. You know, the Just League of America and the Superman that you read on a regular monthly basis were on Earth-1. So as far as I know, we haven't seen Earth-1. No. So the, so Earth 1 through Earth 52 or Earth Prime through Earth 51? I know I'm a math nerd. This yeah, is how I'm a... Yeah, depends if they're doing that. But, um, well, it depends which one is Earth Prime. Mm-hmm. Because Earth Prime used to be the, Earth, the real world. Mm-hmm. Earth mm-hmm. Prime was this world that we live on. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're going to go with that still or not. There. I find it, I find it um, um, 
I, I'm a little disappointed that they only went with 52 and not 196,833, which is a little bit of a teaser for some future episodes of uh, 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 Four Color Fanboys if you are uh, really in the know. So just put that in the back of your mind, and we'll get back to that in a future episode. Well, yeah, so but... for all I know, Earth One will end up being the DC universe that existed you know, before this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe it'll be even the original DC universe from like the Silver Age stuff and like the Superman that can move planets. Oh, that could... That could that could be interesting. So so I suppose it's it's I don't know. I mean it doesn't it it oh so is so you we don't know yet if one of those Earths and this was my original question um, if one of those Earths contains the uh, Red Sun super like oh, Superman it definitely Red Sun. does oh he's definitely on one of those Earths it is definitely you actually can even see the Russian symbol oh okay um, cool I, I'm not sure if it's in this map picture because this picture they gave us doesn't have everything some of it's okay. crossed off a bit but I think. Oh, here we go. Earth 30. Earth 30. Ah, okay. So that's the uh, Earth on which Superman is the red sun. Yes. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Yes. I I am a fan. Like the Earth 10 here is the big X over it. So I'm assuming like that's going to be like the old Earth X from pre-crisis. Okay. Which makes sense. X10. Or maybe that's the world that crosses over with the the X-Men and the Teen Titans. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, that, that was that was a joke. That was a joke. Uh, I no, don't, probably not. I, don't I am I am so completely DC ignorant as a general rule. I just like that, the, I just like these kinds of things because it's something I can look at and like you can just kind of imagine like oh what can they do with this because it kind of makes you just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sparks the imagination for me. It just makes you go Ooh. oh and that's great. It's like reading like those like books like The Hobbit and stuff where they have like all the maps and mm-hmm, the genealogy mm-hmm. trees in the back, and you're just looking at that. At least for me, I would look at that and go, oh what's this stuff because they really didn't touch on let's say this area of the world in the book. What's that over there and what's that over there what's that over there you have a real here be dragon sort of thing and i like it yeah so I for like me it. that's what i like about this i look at this and i go oh what's that world what's that one what's this oh why is this one closer to this one mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. these ones are so far apart from each other but this one's right in the middle of the center of the rock of eternity does that matter does that do anything <laughs> this one is by the speed force does that you know like, there's so much closer does that count you know or like, was oh, this the first one to be attacked by Darkseid because it's so close there? Like, is this like a better world because it's near, you know, New Genesis? Cool. All that kind of stuff. It just, my brain just starts going off with that. So I love that kind of stuff. So I cannot wait for multiversity to see all these various versions mm-hmm. of Grant Morrison doing alternate reality versions of characters. And I can't wait to see the guide, the, the book that's supposed to be coming out, that's the guide to the, like, the map, the mm-hmm. guide to the multiverse. This is interesting. Because I'm probably going to read that like a dozen times. It is a very interesting. And hell, if these, uh, if these, um, Alternate versions will be reasonably self-contained. Then maybe I'll check out some. Yeah, because like I said, it's supposed to be a two. I believe I remember reading because I don't think it says in the article, but because that's more about the map. Mm-hmm. But I believe there's supposed to be like a bookend, like two bookend issues, and then it's a several one shots in between. So each one's gonna be like a different Earth. Although I do, I'm I'm not sure if I because I I do have to point out to our to our listeners, um, Grant Morrison's gonna be writing all of them. Yes. See, I'm I I've never successfully been able to connect. With Grant Marson's writing, um, I, I I I I I read his run on New X Men, and it just it. Did you read his run on JLA? Was I? I didn't. The other thing of, of Grant Marson's, I also uh, tried and 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 failed to finish because it wasn't grabbing me. Um, All Star Superman. Okay. And then um, also uh, the Invisibles. I read the first two trade collections of the Invisibles before I realized. That it wasn't really maybe seven soldiers, or but I think more likely his JLA run because his JLA run is 
I would say, and I'm not like saying in a derogatory term, but like mm-hmm. in terms of the way he writes stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like a lower level, like a closer to regular superhero level than uh, his new X Men run, mm-hmm. which was just so. So it still has like a lot of the harsh, off putting and harsh. I it, thought, yeah, JLA. I think you might like more, okay, because that's like the one of the first things I read of his that really made me go, ooh. Well, actually, yeah, that and Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. But Doom, uh, Doom Patrol is a little Doom weird. Patrol's where he started, wasn't it? Like back in the eighties. That's 80s? one of his big things. Yeah, that's one of his first big things. Actually, okay. Animal Man. I heard about Animal Man. Actually, right. I would go with either for you, Animal Man or JLA. Okay. Those might be easier to connect with. Okay. Because JLA, he's doing the big seven characters. Like you don't mm. need to know much about DC to know. Oh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Like you know enough to be able to read. Hold them. on, the big seven are. Let's see if I can remember who At the big seven are. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman obviously are always the big three. Those are in there. Uh, Green Lantern, yes, and Aquaman always yep. seem to be around, even though people love to like Mock spit Aquaman. on Aquaman. Oh, but he does an awesome Aquaman. Um, the Flash, yep, and is the Martian Manhunter yep, the that's, seventh? That's even number though, seven. Has he ever had his own book? Yes. Oh, he has. Okay, I thought that he was exclusively like the seventh member of the Justice League. No, he was. League. Well, he didn't have his own book until the eighties at the very earliest. Okay. But yeah, he was appearing. He is actually technically a lot of people consider him the first Silver Age character because he appeared about a year before the Flash, mm-hmm. which most people consider to be the beginning of the Silver Age. Right. Showcase I, I, number four. That's exactly why he had his backup strip in Detective Comics, The Martian Manhunter, ah. and started appearing in fifty-five. Okay. And. Um, yeah, he never really had an ongoing or anything, but in the 80s he had a miniseries. I think he had another miniseries in the 90s, but in the late 90s he had an awesome, awesome ongoing by John Ostrander mm-hmm. and Tom Mandrake, mm-hmm. which was a great run. And that was the only ongoing he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was considered the seventh big one for the Justice League. Right. I think you might like the Morrison Justice League, because it does a lot of his big crazy ideas and stuff, so it gives you a bit into that, but it also still has these... Seven, for the most part, very familiar characters that pretty much everyone has an idea of. At least. Okay. So it doesn't go. You don't have to go too far into going. Well, who's this now? Who's this? And even though later on, halfway through the run, he does bring in another eight characters to join. Mm-hmm. One thing he bases it all on the um, Greek pantheon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of gods. So he's like he like picks people who fit in with all that still. But still, you have characters, and it's still fun to see characters like Huntress and Steel and. Uh, Who's that? Oracle. Mm-hmm. Who's Barbara Gordon. Okay. Former Batgirl in there. Yes. But like I said, I think her. that's something you might be able to, that might help you. That might be a good thing for you okay. to go with. That or Animal Man, because that focuses on one guy and his family. Okay. So that's also very one, like as much as that sells those crazy concepts. Right. Including the one issue where Animal Man realizes he's in a comic book. Oh, okay. Now you've, uh, these, you, this is definitely, And he this looks at good. you and goes, I see you. And he see? like looks right at you and it's like, I can see you. This is why you listen to Four Color Fanboys, because you're always going to find interesting ideas of what to read next. I am, and I'm doing the podcast, so And I know thank more things for everybody, so you, know, you might read them, you might not like them. I like his stuff for the most part, so mm-hmm. I'm going to like No, that's it. fair. So you're going to love Multiversity. Oh, God, yeah. I can't wait for that. Um, another thing that, uh, uh, going back onto the Marvel side, and again, you see, this is, this is exciting stuff. So as far as I'm concerned, it was a fine Comic-Con. Yeah. For the comic book companies, the on uh, Saturday, I believe it was at um, uh, uh, Marvel Comics had its Cup of Joe panel, which I love. That's always uh, what they call communication from editor in chief Joe Quesada. Yes. And um, they announced that was when they announced finally the the shape of their Star Wars comics, yes. and this actually excited me. Now let me explain to you 
my, I've never been the biggest Star Wars fan, which is weird because Star Wars is the first movie I ever went to go see Same here. in a movie theater. I was five years old when that movie came out, and my parents took me to see it in the theater, and clearly it warped my tiny little mind because the rest of my um, existence has been all about the science fiction and the comic books and the, the lasers going pew, 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 and the, 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 the big bad villains. and Yeah, I think, in fact, the first 10 years of my life were focused around Star Wars. Well, right, and I went to see Empire Strikes Back, and I loved it, and I went to see uh, Return of the Jedi, and I liked it. Yeah. Ewoks, notwithstanding. I mean, I didn't mind the Ewoks. Everyone oh, yeah. else is like, there was a bunch of Muppets. No, I don't care. You know, For all of the good he's done, Kevin Smith really sort of retroactively uh, destroyed the reputation of Return of the Jedi when he had all those conversations in his movies about the Muppets and whatnot. <laughs> but, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that I still love Return of the Jedi. Now, I did not like the prequels, and the fact of the matter is, is that as time went on, I never found myself going back to Star Wars or the extended universe or anything like that the way I did to other ongoing properties that I was a tremendous fan of. But Star Wars, I always liked it, but I was never hugely into it. I had one Star Wars comic when I was a very young child. It was one of the earliest. Uh, it probably would have been very appropriate for me to bring up in our last podcast, our secret fanboy origins. Oh, yes. uh, um, it was... Um, one about a, a, a behemoth, a, a giant like Godzilla-looking thing on an alien planet with, that was being uh, supposedly some crazy old shaman dude thought he was controlling it, but he no. wasn't. He got stomped, <laughs> and you had uh, Jax, uh, the, 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 the green... and The, the green, big green tricks bunny. The big, big green tricks bunny, and you had the, 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 the hooker-looking lady with the white hair and the, the, the farm boy with the, with the pretty girlfriend. And, like, and this was, you know, it was all Han Solo, yeah. you know. And uh, that was the only Star Wars comic I ever read. And then Dark Horse got it, and I've read many good things about the Dark Horse stuff, but the Dark Horse stuff seemed to me to be of a piece with the extended universe novels, which was, man, you want to get into those, you got to make a commitment to knowing uh, I, what's going like on. It, yeah. Although I will say I am enjoying the, um, although it's almost over now, the, the ongoing series. Okay. Which I think is either over 19 or 20, I forget which, but yeah, there's a, they have a, a current ongoing which takes place between Star Wars and Empire. Okay. Okay. That's cool. I but like that's the... pretty much over anyway. So, well, obviously, since the license is uh, reverting to Marvel, and that... Yes. And that is why we're... we're well, we've we're, been waiting for that for three years now. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 whenever Dark Horse's license has ended, we know right. it's ending. And you know what? And that's, and that's fine. You know, at least Disney allowed that license to go its natural yes. route and gave Dark Horse plenty of time to wrap up what it was doing rather than just yanking it back summarily or whatever. Mine. You know. So, um, at the Cup of Joe panel on Saturday at San Diego, uh, they announced the Marvels versions of these comics, and they announced three, as far as I could see. As far as I... And now, everything I've read, the other few articles i read, they keep saying the three. So, I'm assuming, right, as of right now, there's only going to be three titles. Now, one of the three I have no interest in, and that is the uh, 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 Death Star... Uh, not Death Star. Darth, Darth Vader. Vader one that's uh, being done, uh, written by... Uh, uh, Kieran Gillen and drawn by Salvador La Roca. I have some interest in that one because since reading, I liked him enough, but Wicked and Divine number one and two make me really interested that's in Kieran That's Gillen, Gillen, right? Yeah. And that is an amazing friggin' now, series. I don't have any problem with Kieran Gillen per se. The only Kieran Gillen I've ever read was the uh, Avengers Academy tie-in issues to the Avengers vs. X-Men uh, event. And they were good. Avengers Academy. Academy. Well, I think that was I think that was what he was writing. No, he was no, writing, Christos Gage. I thought Christos was Gage was writing Avengers Academy. Kieran Gillen was writing. He might have been writing Uncanny at that point. Maybe. 
And some of the Marvel stuff, like some I've liked, some not so much, but I really like Wicked and Divine, so I'm looking forward to this, and I like Salvador La Roca's stuff usually. I haven't seen Salvador La Roca's art in a lot of years. I believe the last time I paid any attention to his art was when he was drawing uh, Chris Claremont's run on the his, uh, Heroes uh, Reborn uh, uh, oh, the Heroes Return, Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Heroes Return, Fantastic Four. Yeah, and that, I think he was actually in charge of it for a while as well. Yeah. I actually yeah. liked his stuff as well when he was like doing the plot. I don't think he was writing. I think he brought a friend of his to help with the script. Yeah, he but had, he was had someone plot. else doing He was it, like, plotting. The two of them were co-plotting it. Yeah. His friend doing the scripting and he was doing the art. And I enjoyed that too. I okay. enjoyed his stuff. So I'm looking forward. I like him. I'm Darth Vader, bad guys. But yeah. see, sorry. So, but for me, the two that did catch my attention, you've got a five-issue Princess Leia miniseries, again, written by Mark, Mark Wade, Wade and drawn by Terry Dodson, who yes. that is going to be one That's amazing be comic. That is going to be an amazing comic. You've got my attention, Marvel, with that. But then the really exciting one, and this is one I'm like, how? How do you think you're going to pull this off? You are, you are over-promising, and there's no possible way this could be true. The Star Wars ongoing series oh, from yes. Marvel is going to be written by Jason Aaron, which is exciting enough. But it's going to be drawn by John Cassaday. Holy crap. John Cassaday drawing a monthly book? Yeah. A monthly licensed book? Well, it's not going to... Well, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be on every... I think at best we're going to get him the first 10 issues straight. Okay. At best. Because they already started it now and it's not coming out. I don't think... Is it because yeah, he doesn't January? work fast, am I yeah, right? Is it coming out in January? Or? January. Everything's yeah. launching in but January. I think they've already said that at least the first issue, it seems like... I drop stuff. <laughs> I think like the first issue is pretty much done. Okay. So they're working ahead. So I'm hoping we'll have at minimum five issues in the can okay. before number one comes out. Okay. So by the time they get to five, and by the time five comes out, maybe we'll have like eight or nine done already, mm -hmm. you know, up to issue eight or nine done. So I'm hoping at least for a while we'll have a nice time ahead. And that'll give them time to hopefully, I like it better when they plan it out. We're like, oh, you're not doing this issue. We're going to have somebody else, we're going to do a different story and have somebody else draw that one. Right. And then have you go back and do this, you know, either go back to the story we're doing or you're going to do the next story with you. But I don't like when they mix and match mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. artists. Like, real quick aside, going with this, Guardians of the Galaxy this week has like four or five artists in it. Okay. But it's the same one story. And like, you'll, there's like a Drax gladiator fight with two, with two pages, you know, with like one guy doing it. And you switch the page and it's somebody else drawing the rest of the fight. Okay. I don't like that. At the very least, you're going to have multiple artists in an issue. I want to have, like, like using the Guardians as an example, one guy does all the Drax pages. One guy does the Rocket pages, let's say. Mm -hmm. One guy does the Star Lord. So at least while you're changing it, at least for the, the little bit you're doing, mm -hmm. it's the consistency. Right, right. So at least I'm hoping here is that once they get past the point where John Cassidy is now like, okay, um, yeah, I'm behind now. I'm yeah. going you know, to have this issue done just in time to go to press, so I'm not going to have the next one done in time, that hopefully they'll do a different story. Okay. But it looks like I'm have a feeling we're gonna have like close to a year with John Cassidy straight through. Well, that and and I will be reading that. Yeah, I will be reading that. And hey, you know we'll we'll keep you updated here. Uh, keep keep listening to and us. This, and this one takes place as well between Empire and Star Wars. Okay, cool. Said. That is a great idea. I like it. Yes, I like it. You know what I wanted to read and I never did because Dark Horse has not gotten around to making its uh its um uh uh, uh comics. Available on Comixology yet? No, they have their own. They do. They you have to go through them. They have their own digital version. Okay. Platform. 
Well, then I... You can get the stuff. So I've been missing a lot of good Dark Horse stuff by only buying my digitals from Comixology. I keep meaning to go there. I just haven't... I've been lazy with stuff. But yeah, they have all their stuff there. And um, yeah, because uh, 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 I wanted to read uh, The Star Wars, which was their adaptation of the original George Lucas script before it got uh, uh, polished up for the movie, like his original pitch or whatever. It's all right. At least I thought it was all right. You might like it more, of course. I thought it was all right. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I've mm-hmm. actually read the first, I read the first three or four. And I think it's five issues total. It's eight. Eight. Okay. And I actually still have to pick up issue seven and eight. I still have them at work. I still have them in my box. Okay. But because I'm a little behind, I wasn't was worried about getting them. So, and actually, all that talk of Dark Horse is going to uh, lead us nicely into our next topic. But before we do that, I want to take a uh, pause. Uh, for uh, uh, Al and I to pick up all the various bits of technology that we've dropped on the floor, and also for you to listen to a uh, pro- uh, commercial or two. Commercial? Trailer? What do we call it? Promo? Them? Whatever. Promo? Whatever. Something like that. We're new at this. Hi. Be back in a moment. What's wrong, Star Wars fans? Disney. Disney killed the expanded universe. They killed the whole thing. It's dead. Every single book. Not just the novels, but the comics. And the video games, too. It's like they're just stories, and Disney threw them out like stories. I hate them! Okay, Star Wars fans, relax. Here, have a Snickers. No one destroyed your Star Wars Expanded Universe. In fact, I'm going to give you a whole new opportunity to go back and explore all those books and comics that have helped to shape and mold this universe we love so much. Join me on the Star Wars Saga Cast, where I'll be walking through the various branches of the Star Wars Expanded Universe, much of it for my very first time. I'll be bringing you short episodes that review comics, longer episodes that explore the novels, and in-film commentaries, because you know you're just dying to hear what some random guy on the internet has to say about movies that you've seen a hundred times before. You know you are. So come along for the Star Wars Saga Cast at thestarwarssagacast.com. Issue by issue with humor and historical insight. 
Wahoo! The Sergeant Fury Podcast is available on iTunes and at furycast.podwits.com and is part of the Podwits Podcast Network. Face front, soldier! Wahoo! And we are back from the pause that refreshes. Trademark, copyright, somebody who I don't know. Seven Eleven, but uh, Coca Cola, I think perhaps I don't know. Not Seven Eleven, Seven Up. I was thinking Seven Up. It could be Seven Up. It's some soft drink. But uh, sorry, we're not copyright infringing. I swear, we're just having some fun on a podcast. You don't even you see nothing. You see nothing. So anyway, before we went to the break, uh, I did allude to us talking about Dark Horse, and uh, we were. Uh, I said that that leads us right into our uh, next. Uh, uh, topic, which is uh, another uh, uh, panel from San Diego. Yes. The talk- Dark Horse panel talked about the future of the Whedonverse. Yes, which is kind of funny they call it that since they're not really all in one universe. I mean, which, as far as we know, Serenity and Buffy are completely two different universes. No, that's true, and they did not make note of in this, and I think Dark Horse originally published it, because you do have a number of, though you do have a number of comics set in the Buffy universe. Yeah. You have Buffy and Angel, and there was a Spike one for a while. There was a Spike one, like, or at least long miniseries. A Willow and Tara a Willow, one. A Willow one, yeah. There's the current, there was a, the Angel series, the mm-hmm. current Angel and Faith series. Uh, right, Frey, right. which does take Frey was what I was going to mention, and that was, to me, the real establishment of the Buffy, of the, of the Whedon verse, was with the, um, uh, 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 Frey. And the tie into the show when that axe showed that up axe on the show, up after my it head fell off yes. its shoulders. It's I like, have no idea that counts. I have no idea. I have no idea to like because you didn't need it. Like that episode of Buffy worked gorgeously as it was, but if you had read Frey and you had seen them talk about the that, axe that, that and big all that, axe, then you're like, Ooh. like, I mean, you got okay. Step one of the mind blowing was when you read Frey, and right around issue two or three, you became it became clear that this was a Watcher Slayer relationship, and that this was, yes. you know, the 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 a continuation of the Buffy story. And then on top of that, you get the callback on the show, and it was just like that was that was the point at which Joss Whedon ascended. Yeah. Into the pantheon of creative gods. Yeah, so, but as far as I know, Firefly and Serenity has nothing to do... It's not the there's, same world. But, but you know what? It could be. I it mean, could, there's, really, there's really no... Nothing that, nothing it, that denies that Serenity well, just could be the far future of Buffy. When does Buffy. Frey take place is the question. Because I know they've given... I know they definitely said what... Maybe not what year, but what century it mm, takes place mm-hmm. in. And I know they said what century Firefly takes place in. I don't think it's that... Well, Frey takes place on Old Earth, and yeah. have we ever seen Old Earth in Firefly or Serenity? No, but the way they gave the impression they gave is that everyone left. But, I mean, I'm just wondering, though, like, is anything there conflicting? Like, does in Frey, they mention the fact that, yeah, we mostly haven't got, we've mostly gone to the moon and maybe Mars and that's it, as opposed to, oh, yeah, half the population left the Earth and went to another solar mm-hmm. system. Well, that's my question. It's like, are they in the same time period? Or is Frey still a few hundred years beforehand? Like, is Frey 22nd century and... Serenity, I don't know. I think it's entirely possible. It that, is possible. Like that's that would be the thing for me to go whether or not they could be or not. Well, we will we will certainly uh, look into that, and uh, on a future episode, we'll uh, get back to you on our findings. But at the panel, they talked about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer season ten, which I haven't been reading. Like I said uh, before the break, I didn't realize that Dark Horse had made its comics available digitally. Yes. So the last uh, Dark Horse Buffy stuff that I read was season eight. For the most um, part, same here. Which I've was been good. skimming 10 a bit here and there as I work, but I haven't really been reading it because I want to be able to read eventually when I get 
chance to actually start over and read it from eight. But on. I desperately wanted to start reading the uh, Serenity comic. Uh, that's being written by Zach Whedon and uh, uh, drawn by George Jean T. Yes. And that is apparently, it's ongoing, and it is the officially sanctioned uh, Joss well, Whedon-approved continuation. Did they say there's another one? Because I know the one they have right now just finished. It was a six-issue oh, video. Oh, it was? Oh, that Leaves was on the, wind. on the Wind. Right. Yes. I thought there was an ongoing. Um, no, you could be right. I could be misremembering. But anyway, that was the official, though, that was the officially sanctioned continuation, like, past uh, uh, Serenity, right? So um, now I get now that I now that I have learned that I have a chance to read it. But I know there's going to be I'm there be more Serenity coming up at the very least. But I don't think. Oh, I'm sure there will be. This is more about Buffy. I mean, Serenity is mentioned, so is Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's this is about Buffy. The fact that like uh, Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander mm-hmm. on the show, is actually one of the co-writers now. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that they're talking about one of the things I want to look back on is the time of the time frame when Xander and Spike were roommates. Mm-hmm. Living together because I love that run. That was that was I didn't see it, but I. Uh, but they're also doing a Return to Sunnydale story. Oh uh, yes, which 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 that seemed very cool. Another just also speaking about uh, the the quote unquote Whedon verse. Another thing that really intrigued me was they was Scott Alley the uh, the the head of the line. Yeah. He says he said at one point that they um current there are currently plans in place for more Dollhouse comics. Were there any Dollhouse comics already? There was like a one, one or two one-shots. Oh, okay. Because, again, I didn't know. And I'm interested. I love all that. I love it all. I love no, it I all. Like I'm, a no, I'm a fanboy. I'm a fanboy, in case you hadn't realized. Yeah, I need to get more of the Buffy and read them. I just haven't had a chance to. Actually, I know I should get the digital, but they have these oversized hardcover trades. Like mm-hmm. They reprint like two trades, you know, the, the, the equivalent of two trades in there. Like oversized, like this big. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they're like only like 30 bucks. So they're not like... Super expensive. They're not prohibitively uh, It's priced. not like you know an omnibus where you're paying like 100 bucks each mm-hmm. one. They're like $30. So I want to try and start. And they said they're going to continue doing that with season 9 and 10 because they have that at season 8. Okay. So if I get a chance to, that's how I want to, I would like to get season 8. And they said that the season 9 collection is also going to include the uh, Willow and Spike solo books. Yes, at least at least the oversized one definitely. Yeah. I'm not sure if they said the regular trades too. Although I guess regular trades would probably just be a Spike trade and a Willow mm-hmm. trade. Mm-hmm. But they said the oversized version. And I like how, you like how I keep... Use my hands to show you what oversized means because yeah. A, obviously you don't know what oversized means and B, so everyone yeah, listening yeah. can see. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> But those are the ones, unless I have to get the digital, in which case I'll get the digital, I want to get those like that because I like when they do the big versions of them because it just looks so much cooler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's I, cool. And the art reproduces well at the larger yes. size. It, it's, it's like going back to when I was a kid and they, I would get like, had like one or two of those treasury size books. I'm like, oh. Huh. Because they just look so cool to me, like this oversized art. But yeah, even if I'm not regularly reading it, I still like hearing that Buffy's still around. I still, I need to yes. get back into, I know I need to get back now into let it. Me just, I just like having Buffy still around. Now let me just ask you, as a general sort of thing, just as a general concept, um, I always like the idea. I'm, I'm just that sort of thing. What's what's your uh, a thought of, uh, or take on the idea of continuing TV series like having TV series that have ended continue their stories officially, like like showrunner sanctioned um, canonical continuations in comic book form. That's fine with me. I mean, as far as for the most part on those things, as far as you know, it's not coming back anyway. Right, right. Well, Buffy's not coming back. So it's it's if you're so I mean, if you enjoyed it and you want to read more, see more with them, those characters, you're not going to get it because I, I just I, I guess I'm just I, the the. the the one I'm really hitting on is the officially sanctioned ones because we've always had tie-in 
comics. Doctor Who has had a billion different comic iterations. Star Wars. Star like Wars, Star Trek. But none of these have ever been sort of like um, officially acknowledged as canonical, you know, as... as t- like they've all sort of seemed like alternate continuities, never, never until they're actually mentioned. Like right. the Doctor Who stuff, it's all alternate, unless they. The only time any of the only time any of the spinoff media has ever been acknowledged in the show, um, in the official show, as far as I know, was um, when the uh, Eighth Doctor regenerated in the Internet short uh, Night of the Doctor, and he mentioned and he characters all from that from the audios yes. only, only the audios. He didn't name check any of the uh, comic book, any of the comic well, that's companions. One thing, yeah. Although theoretically, you can say anything that hasn't been contradicted counts. No, absolutely, or could count. Absolutely, but there's um, no reason to think they don't count. Like the current Doctor Who series, you know, between the tenth and eleventh Doctor mm-hmm, right now, mm-hmm. you know, they take place in between. So until they on the show, they you know they specifically said, and granted, actually for any of those things, until they specifically say that was impossible to happen or this did not happen, I go, okay, it happened. And I quite like the uh, the new Doctor Who books. I bought both of the first issues when they came out. I enjoyed them. I liked the 11th Doctor one better just because it had more Doctor in it. It's like, for me, the point of a a spin-off media tie-in comic is not so much is the art accurate or whatever. It's like, do you nail the feel of it? And my frustration with a lot of Doctor Who comics... Um, even the Mar- even the ones that were running in the, in the in the official magazine, is that a lot of times just in terms of like dialogue and action and storytelling, they don't always appear to accurately to to, to get the feel of the of the characters, just so. Uh, in this one, in this one, like they always seem. It's like yes, it looks like the Doctor, and yes, he's doing Doctory things, but it's like sometimes you just you can't really. It's not. A hundred percent, you know, like it, 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 there's a disconnect there. Oh. Whereas, but in the new, in these brand new ones that just came out last week, uh, from oh, yeah, our point of view, that. from Titan, the eleventh Doctor one is spot. That's the one. Yeah, on. I'm trying to remember which one was. That was, that was the, the one, dog. The one with the alien dog. Oh, I like that one. That, that was, one was very good, and it was very nice the way the way it played into the depression of the companion character Alice. Yes. Who was very depressed. Her mother died, and her world. I love the, they, what they did with the color, where her world is literally gray until this alien dog shows and up, and then all of a sudden the color they put color in the book. Color everywhere. Yes. So it was real. That was really nice. The eleventh, the tenth Doctor one has a lot of promise, but it had so little. Doctor, but that's the first issue it. thing, and that's an, sometimes, like I said, I don't want every story to always do that for certain mm-hmm. things. But I, there are certain things I like. I just don't want to be in every story where you focus on the side character and what's happening to them so much, and then you have the big thing of this outside thing coming into them, their life. Yes, there was a, one of the best issues I read of Cable uh-huh. was when James Robinson started writing it for a while. Interesting, and I did not know he'd done it, that. It introduced a long-running supporting character called Irene Merriweather, who used to work for the, uh, I think she worked for the Daily Bugle. Okay. No, actually, at this point, she was. I think she used to write before that, but she had been fired, and now she's working for like a tabloid, and she's investigating this Hellfire Club story, and she gets deeper and deeper and digger and says Sebastian Shaw, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you get all like all these Hellfire Club goons killing her, like half the people in her office and shooting at her, like they're all trying to kill her, and she's about to die. And then, like in the last four, three pages, Cable just comes bursting through the window, mm-hmm. and it's just like, "What the hell is going on?" She's yeah. like, "What the hell?" And who is this? And that's the kind of feeling I got from this first episode issue for, of Doctor Who is Tenth Doctor. Yeah, the Tenth Doctor. It's like you got all the weird stuff, and you got a big thing of the characters. So now you know the companion because mm-hmm. for the most part, you're reading the Doctor Who's 
a spin-off comic, right. you know the doctor. Right, exactly. So we got the companion now, and mm-hmm. now we get to introduce him to the doctor instead of trying to do both at once. No, I and I agree. Like I said, I don't want every issue to be just companion with the doctor going, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Don't forget me. But I like that way that first issue was. And out of the two of them, the 10 or 11, he was the one that would more likely... I mean, he'll jump in with both feet, but he's the one more likely to stand back a little bit and keep watching and seeing how things play out and watching a little bit. And then he's like, and okay, I'm here he's now. Less, he's less manic, so... No, I'm not disagreeing in any way, shape, like, or form. He said he'll go, alien puppy, let's go. Let's go, and running with his rubber limbs. And yes. No, I, I guess the only the point uh, I just wanted to uh, make, it, it's not a bad thing, and I'm, I certainly wasn't... I'm just saying, you know, when I'm reading a Doctor Who comic specifically, like for me, like part of the proof in the pudding is how good do they get the Doctor? And it was impossible to tell from that first to issue. To be fair, yes, that is All, true. So I'm still waiting to see. Yeah, on that and like one. I said, if you do that every issue or you're just doing random short stories and they all seem to be like that, or at least mm-hmm. the first several, then yeah, th- that's a problem. But if you're doing an ongoing series and that's issue one, I'm fine with that. At least I'll see how issue two is, you know. If he's not in issue two very much, then I'm like, okay, shouldn't he be in here more? Also, uh, 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 I also just want to make a note that I one thing I really loved about the episode is the companion for the new 10th Doctor comic is a Mexican-American girl uh, who runs a laundromat in, um, in, uh, in, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn with her family. And this uh, was very interesting to me because I spent six years living in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. So uh, talk oh, about cool. Doctor Who taking place like where I lived. It's like, oh my God. Oh, that's pretty cool. How about that? That's so, like anyone who liked Doctor Who for years who lived in Cardiff. Right, exactly. All of a sudden he's wandering around Cardiff and they're like, he's here, he's here. Um, but anyway, just and so we've only got a few minutes left, so I want to wrestle this right back to San Diego for one last oh, story. Yes. Um, and that is, uh, and this very much excited me, uh, DC announced, uh, I did not realize that the Batman 66 was a digital first. Yes, it comes they, up. To, they do a print edition. Though. Yes, they do, but it, they do digital like chapters. Okay. I don't, I don't know exactly how many pages they are, mm-hmm. but they do da- chapters and then they put, I guess, two or three of them, depending on how many pages they are, together and that comes out as a monthly comic. Ah, I understand. Because that's the same way they're doing the, the miniseries, the Batman 66 meets Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. Which I think I I saw that that was coming out, yes, but yeah, which is already out in issue like two, I believe. Oh, okay, is that right? Which is the one that's being co-written by Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. But and, the one, uh, the one I, but 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 uh, I, it was very exciting that the they San announced Diego one, yes. this, the San Diego. They announced that apparently, um, the, of of all the big uh, Batman villains, of all the famous Batman villains, the one who would never turned up yes. on the nineteen sixty six famous TV show was Two-Face. Yes, that said and, they thought he was too gruesome for the kids. Yeah, and um, the they had gotten a script that introduced Two-Face um, for the TV show, and it was written by Harlan Ellison. And apparently they are now going to take that unproduced Harlan Ellison script, and they are going to turn it into an issue, or more, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I think they said two issues. Of, I'm assuming that means of the physical comic. Of the so physical, so six chapters or whatever. Four to six chapters, yeah. And I don't, I'm not even sure that they say it's going to be mini, or is it going to be part of the ongoing? I think it's going to be ongoing. It's going to be I mean, like part of the issues of issue Batman like 66. 13 and 14, let's yeah. say, for instance. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that that yes. was... Uh, that was very, now, I'm intrigued by that. One. I'm definitely intrigued by that. Now, I haven't read the Batman 66 comic, not from any thinking, oh, I wouldn't enjoy it, just as we've discussed many times on There's this podcast. There's just way too much stuff sometimes. You have to draw your limits somewhere. I bought my first issue of it recently. Mm-hmm. I, I, actually, yesterday. It's issue one, even though I know two's out already, but I finally had a chance to pick up one from my box of the uh, 66 meets with the mm-hmm. Hornet mini. 
mm-hmm. because of the Kevin Smith, Ralph Garman from Hollywood Babylon mm-hmm. podcast tie-in at the fact that they're writing it. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. Okay, okay. So apparently the uh, the, 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 the 66 adaptation, the Batman 66 adaptation of this unproduced script will be uh, written by Len Wein. Awesome. It's going to be drawn by Jose Luis Garcia That's Lopez. the best part about that. I cannot Really? Believe. I'm not familiar with oh, him. He is a classic, like, decent, like, Superman and Batman artist from, like, the Bronze uh, Age, and he is okay. awesome. I thought, only Kurt, I thought only Kurt Swan and Kurt Schaffenberger did, uh, he did suits stuff, in the Bronze he Age. He did stuff in the Bronze Age. In fact, I believe from the Bronze Age on, the majority, until, like, recently, uh-huh. like, very recently, the majority of Superman licensed stuff is the Jose Luis, Luis Garcia Lopez versions. Oh, okay. Like his is the stuff that was put out there for like all licensed stuff. Like whenever, like you know, they would have him appearing on the packaging next to something. Uh huh. Uh huh. That version. Interesting. I'm gonna have to look that up. But uh, as uh, the Robot Six blog on uh, Comic Book Resources reported on this uh, 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 development with the uh, Harlan Ellison script, um, apparently the comic, the Batman '66 comic, has done an interesting job of sort of yeah, merging the. Uh, the the TV series and the 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 more modern Batman stuff. Apparently, they've made references to Harley Quinn yeah. and Killer Croc, and, and or even put them in there directly. I think they said um, that's what I got out of it. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure which way because I haven't been reading it, but it looks like I guess they're doing their they're doing a 66 version of Killer Croc and Harley Quinn at the very least, and putting them in there. According to Wikipedia, none other than Clint Eastwood was considered for the part of Two Face when they were originally going to produce this for the TV series. The character on that would be very interesting. Have you ever noted? Have you ever read a comic? Um, this happens more like recently, where um, a character is clearly modeled off of an actor. Yeah, I think I've done that once or twice. In fact, I, think I can I remember, think of two. I, I remember reading somewhere. I remember reading that I think apparently the version of Nick Fury was kind of based on Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, he, the, but I'm sure the no ultimate, one else. I'm sure no one else ever heard of that before. Ultimate, yeah, <laughs> ultimate, that's a good a good point. But the two that I no, the that's two that I Nick thought, Fury. That's why um, they if, you read, him. if you read, if you ever read um, um, Secret War. The, the five-issue miniseries by Bendis oh, and Gabriel okay. Della Otto. A while ago. Yeah, no, that one. Um, that's the one that introduced uh, Agent Daisy Johnson, the teenager yes, who's also Quake. known as Quake. And in that book, it was very clear that uh, Gabriel Della Otto was just basically drawing Angelina Jolie from Hackers as, um, as uh, Daisy Johnson. I mean, it was painfully obvious. Hackers. Um, Hackers, is that the one she was in with Johnny Lee Miller? Yes, no, yeah. it, trust me, that, that is, um, that's Al's guilty pleasure movie, in <laughs> fact. <laughs> I love that movie, as bad as it, you can say it is, and like, as inaccurate for like, how it works. Well, we I, all, I we love, all have those. I, I love that movie, I could watch it, I own it. Yeah. That's how much, that's I, fair. I watched it over We've all got those. Actually, since with lack of cable now, and the fact that I live with somebody who likes having, who needs like, noise on. Mm-hmm. And I've got tired of her like her movies on every night, so I take her movie out and I've been putting it. I was putting in Hackers for a while. Okay. But apparently, some of the techno music was giving her nightmares. Oh. So now for the last week and a half, it's been Fletch. Ah yes, yes, a good, good, a good choice. Is that why you were? Uh, I noticed reading. that you were reading the book. Yes. Is that, um, and the uh, the other one that I noticed was a uh, Siege. And I'm trying to remember who did the art for the Siege miniseries, but I oh. believe it was it might have been Mike Deodato. I think maybe so. Um, but anyway, whoever was drawing that, Norman Osborn in the Siege miniseries was very Jones. obviously Tommy Lee yes. Jones. Very yes. obviously and Tommy Siege, Lee Jones. Siege is a, by the way, Siege going with what we said about um, Bendis like writing like the six, seven, eight, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Siege show Siege shows that he can do, I think, in my opinion, an amazing four issue huge story in yeah. four issues. Yeah. 
thought which, it was was it four or was it five? I thought it was four. It was four. Okay. It was a four part thing, and he did that in four issues, and I'm yeah. like, wow, this yeah. is great, and I love that one. Yeah. Which goes back to my thing before I was saying I said year for years is that. Secret Invasion need to be seven issues, not eight. Mm. And Final Crisis need to be eight issues, not seven. Morrison needed an extra issue because there was too much <laughs> stuff. I think he had to crop a bit, and that's mm-hmm. why people got a little cranky, like, mm-hmm. I don't get this. And Bendis needed to get them out of the Savage Land and issue, have issue less for them to hang out in the Savage Land. Yeah, I could see I could see. I, I still love... I still enjoy both. I mean, you but take... I think if they were one cut and one expanded a bit, it would have been so much better. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's my that, opinion. That, that's fair. But uh, but yeah so um, but yeah I'm I'm I think I just might check out those issues of Batman sixty six especially if they make him look like uh, Clint, Clint Eastwood Clint that 60s. would be that would be swell so I can kind of because then once it looks like a bit you can put the voice in a bit more oh I know like for I a while know. Gary Frank was drawing Superman and he his Superman was Christopher Reeve okay very okay. much so so you get the voice a bit more of you know Christopher Reeve when you re- when you see him look all very much like Christopher Reeve yes. Yes, I, I remember when uh, the Adam West Batman turned up in the uh, uh, the planetary. Uh, uh, oh, planetary Batman! Batman, uh, uh, other worlds. I think yes. it was called. Yeah, um, the one shot. And he and and me, which was one of the single most genius comic books I ever read in my life. But yeah, when when the Adam Ward Batman turned up in that one, and you could uh, see uh, Adam Adam Ward Adam, Adam West, West Batman turned up in that, and you could just like. The way John Cassidy drew him and the way it was written, it's like you could absolutely hear him. Adam West speaking. You know, Adam West speaking. That was that was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I remember that one. But, uh, well, um, I, I think we have conclusively proven, to my satisfaction anyway, that San Diego Comic-Con uh, 2014 did not suck for comic books, whatever some of the uh, uh, sticky beaks online might wish us to believe. Uh, I personally am excited oh, yeah. for stuff that's coming out. I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm certainly holding out my wad of cash for a Marvel and DC and Image and Titan Comics, wherever the hell they came from. All of a sudden, they're, they seem to be... like I never heard of them before. Now they seem to be running at least a Valiant Comics level of There's uh, several penetration. Things from the Titans. Yeah. They also have a 12th Doctor series coming out soon. I, I figure, but they would which have I'm to at least sh- wait for the TV series. I'm not sure too. how that's going to be because it's a little rough. Sometimes I, I wonder, like, can you do that... The first season, I think they should have waited maybe till the end of the season and then had an idea where he was going. And then at least you can do a story, a series taking you place see between that. things. You could see that, but the BBC has always been has always enjoyed having the, uh, the, the Doctor Who comic licensed. And so I think that they are... Um, yeah. I, I, I think that that's going to... Uh, uh, I'm not surprised that that's happening. It'll probably take them a season... If it's an ongoing, it'll probably take them through the first season to really hit a stride. But we'll see. I'm going to be we'll reading see. it. I'll be reading I'll it. I'll probably read so. it too. I'm looking forward to the episode coming out anyway. So uh, that that is all for us for this time. Please join us next time on Four Color Fanboys. Uh, you can find us, as always, at Four Color, no pa- uh, punctuation, at uh, fourcolor.podwits.com. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. Please leave us a rating. Please leave us some feedback. Um, that is, of course, uh, helps us raise our profile and get more people listening to the podcast. I'm also on the Podwits podcast, uh, which is at podwits.com. And uh, I also uh, do, uh, will we'll soon be launching the uh, Wahoo, the Sergeant Fury podcast, in which me and my fellow Podwit, Dion Bio, will be going through Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos from its 1963 beginning, issue by issue. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that at furycast.podwits.com. 
Al, you've also got a, a, a podcast of your own going on, I believe. Yep. I am, uh, well, actually, I'm not on. I run the <laughs> Resurrections and Adam Warlock podcast, which you can find at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com or just type in Resurrections on iTunes, mm-hmm. in which I'm covering um, all appearances of Adam Marvel Comics, Adam Warlock. Uh, currently, we just came out with actually yesterday, just dropped episode 11, which okay. does uh, Power of Warlock number two. Ah, the, the, the that was. Um... Not the man beast. That was one of the man beast's minions, and we get to know his uh, his uh. No, that actually is the man beast. That is the man beast. That was the po- oh the power of warlock number two. I'm sorry, the I I was thinking Marvel premiere number two. Yeah, which is number, Marvel premiere number two is the Rodan. Rodan, that's what I was. Who thinking. is actually not a bat or a pterodactyl, but a giant rat. Giant rat. Well, you know. I know. I always. Roy wanted... Thomas was trying, man. He was trying. Yes. But anyway, so that's the main show, mm-hmm. and that's mine, and that comes out roughly. Twice a month. Okay. And then also, you can also find me on the PodRec podcast, which okay. you, unfortunately right now is not on iTunes yet. You can find that on BuckOnStuff.com. And uh, the best example description for it we have is uh, a podcast where two hosts stumble through a semi-structured show like sorority slut stumbling home on a Sunday morning. Fair enough. All right. Um, That's about as intelligent as we get on that episode. It's sort of anything goes sort of a deal. Yeah. The first three few episodes were actually we're talking about what shows were can- all the canceled shows from the 2013 to 14 TV show season. That's, Half that's the fair. time was one of us going, what the hell is this show? I've never heard of it. Hey, that's the sort of format we've been doing on, uh, on uh, the Podwits, and we're approaching three years. So I'm in full agreement. So anyway, lots of places that you can hear our sultry voices talking to you about pop culture hoo-ha. And uh, But, of course, if you want to hear about the comic books and all of their four-color glory, this is the podcast you want to listen to. So please join us next time on Four Color Fanboys. Until next time, I'm Brian Zeno. I'm Al Sedan. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.